This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. Hey, it's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, today's 9-11, and we're going to have a roundup of guests to talk about their experiences on 9-11. And we'll also chat about the headlines from the weekend roundup as well and get your feedback to our question today. Where were you when the world stopped turning on 9-11? And how did it affect you? Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Absolutely gorgeous here in Mississippi, and we're quite fortunate. Of course, our neighbors off to the east have had a rough couple few days, and so our thoughts and prayers are with them as they recover from Irma, who raked over the islands. Gosh, some of that damage is incredible. And then, of course, hit the Florida Keys, and now has hit Florida and is moving on into Georgia. And I think North Mississippi is going to get a little bit of rain out of it and probably some wind as well. So, uh, like I said, our thoughts and prayers go back. Today's 9-11, and it's um, one of those days that just kind of, you know, for those of us who remember it, it's like a scar burning, uh, you know, and, and I was just talking just a second ago. Do you realize this, Michelle, that college freshmen don't remember 9-11? Well, we have an intern in here right now, and he says he was in third grade. My daughter was not thought of yet, wasn't born. She's 13, so yep. she wasn't even here. We we think about that generational gap on this. Well, my they son, were here. My son was sitting in the kitchen, and I'll tell you where I was, because that's our question of the day. Where were you when you found out about 9-11, and how did it affect you? My wife and I were having an argument. Yeah, We were doing that. We do that. We're married. <laughs> that's normal. Uh, and our, we had a one-year-old at the time, and that was probably what the argument was over, because he was being a one-year-old. And I was walking through the kitchen, and we have this little tiny television. I mean, tiny. And I see the World Trade Center smoking. Now, the sky is as blue as cobalt as it is out there today, absolutely clear. And they're like, "Uh, a small plane has hit the World Trade Center. And they're like, there's no way a small plane could hit the World Trade Center. That's what was going through my head. Mm -hmm. And I see that smoke pouring out. I'm like, honey, stop. And she walked over, and we were just silent. We watched the second plane fly in. And I knew at that point, I got to go to work, you know, I, but I didn't want to leave because, you know, we didn't. Now, I didn't think Al-Qaeda was going to hit Jackson, Mississippi. All right. But I wanted to be with my family. And, you know, but I had to go in to go draw a cartoon or do whatever it was I was going to do. And I remember driving down I-55 through Jackson and people were driving 50 miles an hour. People don't drive 50 on I-55 in Jackson <laughs> if there's three inches of ice on the road. Uh-huh. Airplanes were starting to come in. I remember the gas on the pump and save that was right by the Jitney Jungle, which is no longer there. But the gas station was a dollar thirty-five a gallon for gas. I don't know why that sticks in my head. Wow. And I come driving into the newspaper, and I walk in, and my boss yells at me, "We, we got an extra edition." This was back, of course, before the internet really was. And you think about this before social media. This is before internet. Just imagine what it'd been like if we'd had social wow, media. We yes. probably would have seen inside of what was going on in the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. I had to draw a cartoon like 10 minutes. You know, it was just an incredible fast cartoon. And I drew this. It was okay cartoon, to be honest with you. Was, the flag was still there. The flag was battered. And then I had to sit down and draw my cartoon I was going to do for the next day. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, honestly, I just wanted to be with my family. Uh, my thoughts were the world is ending. What kind of world am I going to raise my son in? I had no clue. And then I looked up, and there was the Statue of Liberty standing proudly before all the smoke pouring off of... Because the second, you know, the buildings had started to fall at that point. And there was the smoke pouring off of Manhattan. And there was the Statue of Liberty just proudly standing there. And I drew her on the, sitting on her pedestal with her head in her hands. And I drew it like 15 minutes. I mean, it was incredibly fast drawing. That cartoon, 
ended up in the New York Times, the New York Post, um, all in chicken soup for the 9-11 soul. It was one of my Pulitzer finalist cartoons that year. And it was one of those cartoons where I literally did not come up with that idea. That idea just I, – I, I said, God, give me an idea. I didn't know what to draw. I mean, it wasn't like I was on my knees, but I was like, I got to come up with something. And that idea came out, and it's still one of my favorite cartoons. Flash forward to last year. Like I said, I'd been to New York. I took my family up there, and we are going out to Statue of Liberty. So we're on the little ferry that goes from Manhattan over there. And, and you know, it was a beautiful day, just kind of like it was on 9-11. And I look up. And there is the same exact frame of my cartoon. So I could take a quick picture of it. I was like, wow, this is incredible. So I get it now. Somebody was probably on the ferry when they got the that image that I got the idea for the cartoon from. Went in, walked up the stat- Statue of Liberty pedestal, and met one of the rangers. And I said, wow, I just want to let you know that, you know, I drew the cartoon on that because they actually had a copy of it on their bulletin board that, that I drew. And so they were like, wow, this is great. Thank you. That day, we were standing there on the Statue of Liberty thinking we were next as they were watching all hell break loose on Manhattan. Uh, It was an incredible day. Um, Of course, the question today is, where were you when you found out? Michelle, you were... You were just a kid. You were, you were 12 at the time, weren't you? <laughs> no, I wasn't 12. But um, I was with my mom, actually. We were having lunch. Uh, rare occasion. She's busy. I'm busy. But uh, we decided to have lunch that day. And like you and I were talking about earlier, you wake up, you think it's a regular day. Those people that woke up that morning, they sent their kids off to school. You sent your husband off to work. You sent your wife off to work. You give them a kiss. Just like we did this morning. Exactly. Just like we were talking about on the way in this morning. You don't expect not to see your child or not to see your wife or not to see your husband this evening. You check in in the afternoon and how was your day, honey? Uh, Jason and I talk about that a lot. You know, you do the little text during the day. You say, hi, how are you doing? I'll see you. You expect to see them this evening. So that is what 9-11 did for me. It it actually taught me how to appreciate the moment that we're living in So we need to now. really remember 9-10. <laughs> exactly I mean, you said because the like, day before. Like I said, when you're reading your child the story, mm-hmm. when you're kissing your wife goodnight, when you're getting ready for the next day, don't take the next day for, for granted. For granted. Ever. I, and... and I know they had a daycare center in the bottom of the um, one of the towers, didn't yeah. they? And that hurt me so much to think about all those little kids that died. Those parents gave their kids to that daycare that day and said goodbye, and I'll see you later. And there was no later. That's, know, that stayed with me. And and still you with you me. know what got me was I couldn't process it. I watched it all live. And then 10 years later, I watched it, you know, all the specials and right. everything like that. It's still, I just, I didn't want to process it. It you know, still feels new. It you, feels you new. You couldn't do it because it's just too much for your brain to handle. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the memorial, took my boys. We went down the escalator, which is right next to the stairs that survived the World Trade Center, where there were actually some survivors on. You go down. You just keep going down. Now, I was 16 years old when I went to the World Trade Center for the first time, and it was still there. We were riding the subway, and it was right in the area where we got off the subway. So now it's this huge memorial, and they've got the, the crushed fire truck. They've got all the pictures of the people who lost their lives. It's incredibly moving. We turn around the corner, and there is this glass case, and in it is a stuffed animal that was one of the kids on the plane, mm-hmm. stuffed animal. And I'd just gotten off an airplane with my 10-year-old, who also had a stuffed animal. And I burst into tears. I mean, I'm not a crier, okay? I cried at the end of Old old Yeller, and (laughs) that's about it. I'm just not a crier. And I burst into it. My sons came up to me and was like, Dad, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm not. And I think every American needs to go to that memorial if you truly want to understand today. Because not only did you see the terror that went on, you saw the, the heroics of the first responders. And people always tell me, well, Marshall, we're not that way anymore. You know, we're, we're not united. We stand. You know, we're red state, blue state. Don't you read Facebook? Look, let me tell you something. I'll tell you what's going on right now in South Florida. There are first responders running mm-hmm. into the power lines, into the water to go save people. And Harvey, we saw it. Yes. When things get bad, we get good. Exactly. You know, it's terrible grammar. But it's so true, definitely. Oh, I tell you what, we got Sue from Beaumont. Let's let's ju- let her jump in and talk a little bit about where she was on nine eleven. Sue, welcome to the show. All right, we're going to get Sue on in just a minute. Okay, um, but um, first, let's um, segue. Let's talk about 
what the policies that came out of 9-11. That's what I kind of like about, um, not like about tragedy, but when things happen, like you said, America rallies together. Well, America I you, came together, and we some good came out of it as well, don't you think? Well, some did. And, and I tell you, um, you, you had Congress on the steps of the Capitol singing together and united for about 10 minutes, but it was pretty awesome. Um, we actually checked on our neighbors and so forth. And Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that are going on today that are not in that spirit, and that's understandable. But, you know, I was walking, I was backing out of the garage today, and there was the magnet of the American flag that we had on the back of our car, and it was still in the garage. I, for some reason, I keep it there. So, yeah, um, the sad thing is sometimes it takes a tragedy for us to get back together on that, and, and I, I don't know. I a lot of the the policies that are going on today, you're just not quite so sure about it. But um, one of the it's funny, we're going down into the memorial and the security going into the memorial is tougher than the airport. It's tougher than co- getting into the Capitol and Congress. It is unbelievable. And I just looked at my sons. I said, if you want to see the true 9-11 memorial, this is the 9-11 memorial. You can't go to the gate anymore to welcome your loved one getting no. back on the plane. You know, you got to go through. And look, I'm very sympathetic to the TSA guys. Uh, how would you like to work for eight hours a day smelling foot odor? That would not be a lot of fun. And you mentioned foot odor. We did not have to take our shoes off before well, that's 9-11. Thing. You or, think about it. And you could bring shampoo exactly. on the plane and so forth because, unfortunately, the screw heads that like to blow things up are coming up with new and apparently, you know, shoe bombs and you know, shampoo bombs and everything else. But we didn't have the security we've got now. And I think that is the true legacy of what happened in 9-11. Well, we do have Sue online from Beaumont. Let's see what Sue has to say about her 9-11 experience. Hi, Sue. Uh, Marshall, first of all, I want to ask you, how are you? Are you doing okay? I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. Okay. I'd just like to tell you something about what happened. Okay. Okay. Years ago, I had a a stepson and his wife were both going to Yale. And so... We went there to visit, and uh, we took the train into uh, Grand Central Station because I wanted to look at New York City, you know. And so we went to the observation tower about, it was late in the afternoon, about four thirty, five o'clock. It was March, and the sun was starting to set. And we could see from the observation tower of of, of the um, uh, Statue of Liberty, we could see across over there, we could see the, the towers. And the sun was setting, and the, all the windows in the towers were blood red. And it was just an astonishing sight. And so I called my stepson over and I said, look, it looks like the towers are on fire. And uh, he said, oh, no, they've got all kind of, uh, uh, you know, safeguards and precautions. It, it could never catch on fire. So then the morning of the, uh, when the planes hit, I happened to, I got up early and turned on television. I never get up early and turn on television. But I got up and every channel was showing the, the tower, the first tower was on fire. And then as I was watching, I could see that second plane hit. And it was just something I never forgot. Yeah, it's kind of hard to... And, you know, it's amazing that the tower stood for as long as they did, that so many people were able to escape. I remember we had a congressman in. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It may have been Roger Wicker, I think, was in the editorial board a few days after uh, the tragedy. He was saying, well, there may be up to 10,000 people died. Mm. And as tragic as it was, there were nearly 3,000 people that lost their lives in that. It could have been so much worse if the buildings hadn't stood up to the punishment that they took. Well, I tell you what, we've got a couple of very special guests that are going to be in, um, who are both my bosses, as a matter of fact, <laughs> talking about the, their experience on 9-11, because to be honest with you, they were on the air, they were having to put out, we got Jason and of course Ronnie Agnew is going to come in as well, and, and uh, we'll talk about that too. Question of the day is this, where were you when 9-11? You can also go to my Facebook page too, there's a lot of great answers there for people, and you can join in on that conversation too. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Today's 9-11. 16 years after 16 years. It went by like in a blink. We're talking about that a little bit today. And, of course, we want to hear from you. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Question of the day is this. Where were you on 9-11? That's a pretty easy question. And it's kind of like Jason Klein, who was in the studio, and we'll talk to him in just a half a second, said it's like our version of where were you when JFK got shot. It really is. And um, just very powerful. And speaking of Jason Klein, we've director of MPB Think Radio is in the studio. And of course, Ronnie Agnew is the, I guess, the grand poobah here at MPB <laughs> as well. Good morning. Yeah, it's nice to have you two gentlemen on the show with me. And, and you both were working on the day of 9-11, too, and um, right. had very different experiences, I'd imagine, because, Jason, you were like suddenly having to come up with something to say. Right. And, Ronnie, you suddenly had to produce a newspaper out of thin air. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Big, big day. But, you know, I had a conversation this weekend. My daughter asked me about 9-11, and I found it really difficult to explain. What I did figure out was... 9-11 wasn't nearly as difficult to explain to her as 9-10. Yeah. Because I'm like, that you would not recognize that world now. Right. You just, you wouldn't, it doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, I said, look, have you ever seen like an old movie where the people are running through the airport? And I was like, if you do that now, they're going to tackle you. <laughs> right. You know, um, but outside of that, that's, that's kind of the obvious stuff. But there was a. There was a, a swagger in our step on nine ten that we didn't have on nine eleven. Right. It just it, you know we had a confidence about us you know, and 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 that day was humbling. It was a gut punch. It really was. It really was. Uh, but in in uh, my experience was that morning, um, I went in to go do my show that morning. I was the manager of a station in Panama City Beach. That becomes important here in a few minutes. Yes. Um, but on uh, on that morning, I went in to talk to my morning show, and they said, hey, man, a, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And I thought, man, what are the odds? Right. You know, I mean, I just thought, how could you not see that giant building? And I, really, that's what I thought. My brain would not let me think anything outside of that. And then we were watching. We thought, boy, this is this is getting pretty bad. So we're talking about it on the air, right? Well, as we're talking, there's a little TV in the studio. And I hear my partner say, uh-oh, on the air, this was all live, and you're you're watching the second plane come in. Right. And we saw it, but explaining, ladies and gentlemen, another plane just hit the other World Trade Center building. And I know that all of us that were hardwired, that nothing bad was happening, it was dumb luck, all of a sudden had to think differently. And it was it was probably one of the spookiest moments of my life. Well, the weird thing, if you know anything about Panama City Beach, Florida, it's flanked by military bases on, on either side. Fort Walton Beach is there. It's absolutely huge. The You know, the largest military base in America is right there in Fort Walton Beach, Eglin Air Force Base. Then you have, then you have Hulbert Air Force Base. Then you have the Navy SEAL uh, diving training school in Panama City. So, uh, you know, militarily, all those places locked down that moment. And as I was driving out of work to go to a Red Cross to hold a remote broadcast, all of the military stuff, all of a sudden there were barriers everywhere, the big concrete barriers and soldiers out front with M-16s just waiting, just sitting there. And, you know, if you've ever been around a military base, you know that most of the base is actually run by civilians. Well, civilians couldn't get in. For a week, yeah. week and a half. They would not let anyone in unless you wore a uniform. Uh, and it was weird seeing the military side of that whole thing where it, it it just got really spooky all of a sudden. The other thing, I was talking to my wife yesterday about this, but do you guys remember as you're talking about the planes coming down, all the yeah. planes were being told to land? Well, there were a couple still up there, and we sent F-15 scrambling for them to make sure that either, quote, they were okay, or if they weren't okay, they were going to have to find a field somewhere and shoot them down. And they had orders to shoot them down. And I yeah. thought, oh, my gosh, the American military, rightfully so at that moment, has been given orders to shoot down a commercial airliner if necessary. Could you imagine being that pilot? I, just, I can't even imagine. Yeah. But it just, I mean, our entire reality changed in, in 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 a few hours. It was like a heart attack almost. It was. It was that it, it, everything yeah. about who we are changed. Yeah, right I, live, I live in the flight path, and so it got eerily quiet. And I remember the first time a plane flew over, it was almost scary. Well, my only my only thought 
uh, for uh, that an equal could be someone living in Hawaii on on, D, on uh, Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah, you know, that's my only thought. You know, for me, um, it's it's. Uh, I'll go back to the beginning of the question of where were you? Um, I was at home getting dressed at the at the time. My kids, who are now in their twenties, they were six, eight, and ten, and I was being you know Mister Mister Dad getting them ready for school. And doing all of that when when I got a call from uh, from Chris Todd, who was the Clarion Ledger's uh, chief photographer, mm-hmm. and he said, "Are you watching television?" Well, I was being a parent at the time. I was trying to get the kids ready for school, right. so I, I turned the television set on and I saw I saw the plane go into the in, into the World Trade Center, and I said, "Oh my God! This how did this guy fly into this big huge building?" Yeah, how could you and, miss and, it? Yeah. And then at that point, you know, you, you have this decision: Do you go to work? Or do you see if there's something go what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then you see the other other plane and then you and then you hear about the heroism in Pennsylvania. And oh, then yeah. you hear about the other plane that was headed that, that actually struck the Pentagon and and then you say, "Oh my god, we have never seen anything like this." Mm-mm. And I have to tell you as uh, I was the managing editor of the Clarion Ledger at the time, uh we frankly didn't know what to do. We didn't know all we could say, did, all, right? all we could say, was America was under attack, and I think that was our headline. That was our headline. Was, yeah. was under attack, and but we didn't know by whom, and we didn't know why. We didn't know what had happened, and or so if it would keep going, right? Or if no it would keep going. going. So yeah. basically, you know, we had to try to make sense of it as fast as we could. Uh, and it, frankly, it was a story making sense of a story that made no sense. And we had like right. a ten o'clock deadline. Yeah. Who that are morning? these yeah. people? And, and and the thing about this, this is what we did. We get the, we 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 run, I scurried to work. We decided instantly to do an extra edition, just with all the information that we had at the time. And we did that, and they all sold out within minutes. Uh, we mm-hmm. did about sixty, seventy thousand extra editions wow. because by the time that the paper had hit the streets and it was already old news because this had not happened. Right. That was as Marshall said. This was in the days before the uh, social media and, right. and instant internet access to anything. So people truly relied on the, on 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 the newspaper right. at the time, and so that's what we did. And but the thing is, we didn't know what to react to. You know, and the thing about us, there, we always say this: there's a in Mississippi, there's a common thread. Somebody from Mississippi is going to be on, involved in right, some right. way, and we were just trying to figure out: okay, we got to figure out what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. what's going on in New York City, what's going on in Pennsylvania, what's going on in D.C. But we also got to figure out who from Mississippi might be impacted by this. Mm-hmm. So we had at the time a much larger staff than I think they do to today, and, I, and that's because that's another subject. Mm-hmm. But you know, we were able to fan people out all over the place to try to figure out what was going on because people were reacting to it. But frankly, they were reacting to they didn't have any information to react to. No. So they were given their uh, opinions. The only thing we could see is the, those memorable pictures of uh, New York City mm-hmm. and those people just trying to, you know, just fall into their death. Some of them jumping out of buildings because they knew they had no chance. And then some of them filled with all the smut, all the smut and all the things from the, from mm-hmm. the, from the, uh, from the, the, from the blast, the buildings. Yeah. The buildings. And it, it was, it was, uh, like you, like you said, it was a life-changing event, not so much as as uh, just a journalist, but as an American. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, because Definitely. one of the things that, I, that, that we did, we talked about and debated in the days after that was, you know, could we wear our American lapel pins or were we showing media bias by doing right. that? And, yeah. I, and I was like, absolutely not. Yeah, we that's are, a no-brainer. Yeah, you know, we yeah. are Americans. Right. And, and so I happened to be also on the Associated Press Board of Directors at the time. Mm-hmm. And a couple of months after nine eleven, we we had a meeting and we kept we stayed on schedule. And they took us a venue, to a venue about a block away into a, a building where we could actually see into the bowl. The, yeah, the, oh, the, the removal of the rubbish. Mm. And um, if you don't if if you don't have a heart, you had one that day, right? Um, and also, I'll, t- I'll say this: I had the pleasure. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it pleasure. I don't know what to call it uh, of being in New York in June. And actually having a chance to tour the uh, 9-11 memorial. Mm-hmm. And um, when you – I saw people taking pictures and everyone's laughing and kind of looking around and everything. And I was like, you know, 
It's really not a lot funny here. Mm-mm. I could hardly you, breathe when I was you, down there. Yeah, if you if you were if you were a part of that story in any way, mm. you know there was nothing funny because our world has changed. I flew back to Jackson yesterday from a trip, mm-hmm. and I had to take off my shoes, my belt, and everything right. there, and and it was a reminder of how our world has changed since, since that time, and our world will never be the same. No, um, and you know the thing is, we got we got. Uh, you know, we got the, we got the terrorists, and I think we done we've right. done a fantastic job going after them. But I think the terrorists got us too, because our oh, yeah. our way of living has now changed. We gave up our some of yeah, our first yeah. amendment rights. Something I was yeah. going to say that that mm-hmm. was something I remember from that day. That was just a statement that yeah. I heard on the radio that mm-hmm. day. That was so profound and meant so much that it affected me, and it's something I remember to this day because it's something I realized. I hope to never hear this again in my life. They said, the president is safe and aboard Air Force yeah. One. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it's that bad? I interviewed Rod I, Page for conversations. Uh-huh. And Rod Page, of course, was the education mm-hmm. secretary at the time. And he was with the president down in Florida at that elementary school. And he was describing it on the show, talking about what it was like to sit there when, you know, was it Andy Card came in and, and mm-hmm. yak and mm-hmm. whispered into the president's mm-hmm. ear and told him what happened. And you saw that look on the president's face. Mm-hmm. And Rob was like, suddenly we were like whisked off. And, you know, I mean, he said, I didn't know where I was going to end up next. But just the idea of hearing on the radio, the president is safe safe because in in our world, you know, in America, that that was never an issue. And nobody messes with us here in America. Right. Right. So that was a that was Mm -hmm. a really weird. Like I said, it's a a phrase I never want to hear again. Right. Definitely. We got Keith in Starkville who'd like to tell us where he was on 9-11. Hello, Keith. Welcome to the show. Good morning, sir. Hey. Well, I was, uh, I'm was i a truck driver by trade, and I was in Carrollton, Georgia, at South Bar that morning. We were lined up getting ready to get loaded, and uh, someone came over to the CB radio and said the towers had been hit. Well, people held out of their trucks, went into the uh, break room there, and we actually watched the second plane hit, and wow. my heart just sunk. Yeah, I know, and it says something that just sticks with you to this day, doesn't it? It's amazing. Yes, yes, sir. I mean, I can't get that. That image will never leave my mind. Definitely. Well, Keith, thank you for the call. I appreciate it, and thank you for what you do too on the driving. So, and you have to also think about how you know this was a story that that sixteen years later we still live it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, there's there's not a there's not a year that's gone by that we haven't lived this story or a part of the story. Right. Uh, you know, we've been after we know after Bin Laden for mm-hmm. all those years, and and we we trapped him down and we got him. And you and, remember where you were when they got him yeah, too? I was yeah, sitting. I remember yeah, exactly yeah. where I was sitting. Yeah. yeah. Well, a whole bunch of the last sixteen years have been a consequence of that mm-hmm. one day. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Iraq, yeah. Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many mm-hmm. soldiers have been just, killed just, and wounded right? since then? And, and and also, and there was that phenomenon of. Of people registering to go into the military because of 9-11. Right. They absolutely packed the place. And now we have another generation going to Afghanistan. It's right. incredible. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Definitely. We'll continue this conversation about 9-11. Of course, is the day the world stopped turning. Continue our conversation with Jason Klein and, of course, Ronnie Agnew. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, on a beautiful Monday out there, very similar to the Monday that happened 16 years ago. As you remember, today is, of course, 9-11, and it's a day that those of us who were old enough that remember it, uh, we still have that burning scar, and we still remember it. And we're talking about that a little bit today, and we've had some great callers. And our question of the day is this. Where were you uh, when the world stopped turning, and how did it affect you? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7400. Four six four. We've got John in Perth. Hello, John. What? Where were you on that day? Uh, I was uh, leaving work and go. I mean, leaving home, going to work, and I didn't know anything about it until I got to work and they had a TV and watching it. But uh, I saw a documentary on Mississippi Public Broadcast the other day about John O'Neill, the FBI guy. That uh, and I'd never heard anything about this before. But if the if the upper management of the FBI hadn't been jealous and and of this guy and and uh, Afraid he was going to get their job or whatever, he probably could have stopped 9/11. Really? Wow. You know, I mean, I, I mean, that, that was a uh, documentary we had on Mississippi Public, yeah. public Broadcast, I think, last week sometime. That's right, and yeah. you you hear that story so many times. How I many dots were not connected? You know, it's well, like, like I said, September hindsight. 10th was a different world. A different world. Yeah. yeah. You know, but the thing I, I the thing I say about that, John, is I think that um, 9/11 took away our ability to trust. Uh, it used to be for those of us who travel a lot by, especially by air. You know, it used to be you basically show your ID and you get on the plane, and, uh, it, and now it takes. That sounds uh, laughable. Now. Now. Yeah, it takes. It sounds laughable, but you think about it. We trusted each other as a country, mm-hmm. and 9/11 took away that ability to trust. I never forget, and I'll let you talk, John, because this is your call. But uh, I never forget how we all, when we were walking around, we'd look at each, at each other suspiciously, like. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, is that is that a terrorist or what, what's yeah. going on? I mm-hmm. mean, it wasn't fair. Uh, in fact, it was profiling. But at the same time, we we didn't know what to think. That mm-hmm. and so that, that, we're journalists here talking among ourselves, but we were just as baffled as anyone else out there because we didn't know this was a story that took a long time to unfold before we started understanding just what actually really truly hit us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're like, what's Al Qaeda? You know, and, yeah. it's oh, incredible. John, you got any other closing thoughts? Okay. All right. Hello, Mary. Welcome to the show. Where were you on 9-11? Hi, Mary. Man, I was getting up out of bed when my roommate told me to watch the television, and I was so surprised. I couldn't believe. But I think one thing I think we forget is how angry anybody was to have done what they did. Every time I think about getting angry and feel like it could slap somebody, I think I understand a little bit. And I think it's pretty easy to say probably one of the highlights of George Bush's administration was him standing on the back of that fire truck with a bullhorn telling all those first responders there that, you know what, they're going to hear us. But you know what, that picture is in my daughter's history book. And it will be for, yeah. you know, as, as long as we're around. Uh, United States. That picture, that picture will be in history books. God, no wonder my beard's gray. <laughs> <laughs> what stuff you remember like yesterday's in the history book? Right. Like, ouch, definitely. And I'll tell you, Mary, the, the thing about you know journalists, we when we're in the throes of a story, when we're when we're deep into the story, the, the, getting information for you and the public is it's all we think about. It's it's all consuming. But I got to tell you that at the end of the day, when we get in our quiet space, when we go home and get in our quiet space, I had to I love my children. I went home and I hugged them and I and I kissed them and I said, I love you so much. But I also had to go to my private place and just I just cried as an American. I just cried because I knew that the innocence of our country had been lost. And I and frankly, I didn't know it would go this far. I didn't know that we would have to you know, take off shoes and be x-rayed in airports and all the things that we have to do now just to travel. But I got to tell you that a lot of people don't know that journalists are very much human. And that adrenaline at the end of the day, when it when it finally just levels off and you come back down and you've done your job and you go home, mm-hmm. um, the tears, I couldn't make the tears stop coming because I knew that our country was changed and I knew that those lives were lost including lives of uh, lives of Mississippians, a couple of Mississippians. I think it was from the Delta, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, and you weep for the you weep for our country. 
uh, you weep for the innocence lost because we were we're we we are a great country, and we're not going to let. And I will say this, and as a journalist, we're we're not going to let anyone threaten our country and take over our country because we are America. Yeah, it's kind of like my older sisters and I. I mean, my parents don't let us sit together in church. But if they right. need me, I'll put on my astronaut diaper and I'll drive to Atlanta to help them as quick right. as we can. Mm-hmm. When I mean, when things, when somebody from outside messes with us, right, we're there, and and definitely we were there. That and was what was so crazy about mm-hmm. the day. That's why we all had a problem. Is that we all believed, yeah. like you were talking about, we all had trust, Ronnie. Right. And when that first plane hit. We're like, this we had just, to be a we, terrible accident. We just you couldn't know. believe that that was terrorism. Because it had happened before. I mean, right. a B-25 had hit the, hit Empire, the State Empire State Building. Building. But it was 1940, foggy. It was, 1945. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we're thinking, but it was pretty. How could this happen? And you're right. As soon as that plane hit that tower, mm-hmm. the second tower, we were kind of like, it's on. Yeah, the odds are, are astronomical. There's right. no way. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Where, of course, the voices that you're hearing are Jason Klein. He's the... Director of MPB Think Radio, and of course, Ronnie Agnew, who's the director of MPB. So mm-hmm. we're talking a little bit about our experiences, and we want to hear about yours as well. We've got Jerry in Holmes County. Hello, Jerry. Where were you on 9-11? Um, I was at work. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a nurse. Mm-hmm. I trying to triage patients. And in the midst of triaging patients, when that happens, I was calling patients back, and they weren't coming. So I went to the door, and Everybody was standing at the TV. And when I looked at TV, I was like, oh, my God. Because in, in, in New York, I have two brothers, two aunts, uh, three sisters, and a bunch of cousins. I was like, and then I immediately tried to, tried to make contact and no contact. And I was terrified. And the missus from, from the three hour patients. The patients just ignored me. They were like, okay, we hit that was awesome, but we 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 focus on TV right now, and I was like I said I was calling patients and they they ignored me and when I realized what was going on, I just froze. Damn, definitely. Mm-hmm. I was just looking on my Facebook feed, and thank you, thank you for the call, Jerry. I appreciate it. I was looking on my Facebook feed at some of the comments from people and where they were. Emily Brazil Chapman, she said, I was in the U.S. Capitol working for Senator Trent Lott, and I feel oh, wow. blessed to be alive. Can you imagine that? Because yeah. the Capitol was supposedly the where the Flight 93 yeah, was going. Was going. Wow. Yeah, so, wow. And Incredible. also remember, uh, if you remember, that's when the... Um, that's when the, the poison envelope started also oh, that's right. towards yeah. the Capitol and would run all the senators and, and congressmen out of the Capitol because yeah. they thought that there were harmful substances in the building. I mean, fear definitely took root after oh, yeah. 9-11. Mm-hmm. I mean, we oh, became yeah. afraid, and that was very un-American, you know, yeah. just a very tough thing. Nathan Cantrell said, on my way to work at the Hattiesburg American, I had just started two weeks before, so I was fairly new to the media industry, quite a way to get broken in. Leslie Crosby Moss said, I was driving to work. I just dropped Marley, her child, off to school. I mean, we were all just living our lives, just like the people that were involved in 9-11. Mm-hmm. So difficult. Our question of the day is this, where were you on 9-11 and how did it affect you? Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You know, I look back at my work, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was putting together, I had the 20th anniversary book this year, and so I was going back through thousands of cartoons. I looked at the cartoons during that, I guess, probably for a month after 9-11. There wasn't a funny cartoon in that bunch. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are saying, well, none of your cartoons are funny, and I get that. That's fine. (laughs) But I'm sitting here looking at this going, I was really seriously angry. You know, right. and I could tell I was probably depressed, too, because I was angry and I was depressed because of everything. You know, you just couldn't turn on the news and not see the carnage and people looking for their things. One of the people that I interviewed not too long ago was um, down at Southern Miss, Je- Jeff Hammond. He mm-hmm. was the athletic director for a while. He's, of course, involved in a lot of things at Southern Miss. Great mm-hmm. guy. He was in the Pentagon mm-hmm. and he was down in the basement in the, in the situation oh, wow. room and the, right where the plane hit. How and could you not feel safe in that building? In the Pentagon. Right. Right. Wow. And it, the, everything collapsed around him. He was very lucky. And he had actually been told by the chief of the Army to go down into the basement to the Situation Room. Or if he'd have been in his office, he'd have been killed. Wow. And there were so many stories like that where people were fate stepped in and they're still alive. Like they voted early that day and didn't get to the World Trade Center, mm-hmm. but 10 minutes late. You know, because there was an election that day, too. So. You know, one of the most powerful rooms, and, I, and as Marshall said earlier, and I would certainly encourage you to, to visit the 9-11 Memorial, but one of the powerful rooms that, frankly, I could hardly I could hardly take it was the room where they had 
each photograph of all the people who were just who died that day. Oh my God! I mean, it's it's a wall that's just just full, no no empty spaces, no spaces between them. It's just person after person, and then you look at those people and you so you say these were not just these are real people, right? Right. Everybody had a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a family, you know. And you think about that, and you say. I just drilled in on a couple of people and I said, you know, when I get home and I haven't done it yet, I need to do it. I want to know about their family. I want to know who they were and how they were contributing to society. Those people went to work that day Mm -hmm. just as we did, thinking it was going to be a normal day. And, you know, they were they were they they represent the the best of America. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are heroes. Those people, they were trapped inside those. And those images, those images will never leave me. We talked about, you know, 9-11. Where were you? I I say it again. I've lived 9-11 every day. There's not a day in my life where I've not I don't live 9-11. I'm more cautious in everything I do everywhere I go because because I think it changed us. It, uh, Americans, America's innocence, to some degree, took a major hit that day. I know that became a pivot point for who we are. Right, it, it really did. And if you think about it, uh, the consequences of just that couple of hours were in 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 the United States' longest war uh, because of that moment. You know, um, there's there's a lot of things there that we have changed and we do now differently. Um, you know. I think we probably walked up to people on the street a lot easier before than we do right. now. You know, have, um, have either one of you ever burned yourself? Oh yeah, it's, it's incredibly painful. And can you imagine being caught in the tower as the flames are coming towards you? And this is the thing that I can't get out of my head. And you have to make that decision mm-hmm. whether to jump or mm-hmm. to be burned alive. Uh, and that's yeah. the terror that nine eleven truly is. Well, you know, and uh, you know, as Michelle mentioned earlier, there's no bright spot. But thinking about those folks taken over the plane, yeah, as it was uh, as they were trying to hijack it and take it to the Capitol building, right? Um, a, a couple of folks got together and 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 took them out. It because was amazing. Our Sacrificed par- themselves exactly. Yes. Our paradigm before then was you get on the ground, you wait for the hostages or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. At that point, they the switch clicked and said, "We got to take it in our own hands," and they did. And it was a great moment in this country. Yeah, it was definitely. Yes, definitely. We're going to take a quick break. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. All right, welcome back. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. And our question is this, where were you on 9-11 and how did it affect you? I was at home. Michelle was at home. Ronnie was at home. Jason was at work. He's a good guy. He actually <laughs> does something around here. Uh, we'd like to know about you. We've got a bunch of callers on the on the line we're going to go ahead and get. But you call us, too, at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Uh, let's just go ahead and start with Mary in Tate County. Hello, Mary. Where were you on 9-11? I was loaded on a plane at the Memphis airport headed for Atlanta. My daughter was loaded on a plane at the Memphis airport headed for Michigan. Mm. Uh, They came on. They kept giving us uh, reasons for the delay. Uh, Finally, they told us about the plane crashes in in, uh, the big plane crash. Right. Mm -hmm. And... uh, when they did, it was an absolutely beautiful thing that I witnessed. People were on their cell phones arranging uh, rental cars, and people would say, I have a car. I can take four with me if there's not too much luggage. Wow. It was, wow. It, it was just, of course, these were primarily business people. and uh, Right, but where the, did that country go? Right. Oh, oh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was just it was heartwarming to see that. Of course, none of us really knew what was going on at that point, but it was uh, a, it was a it was a nice moment. 
like I said, when things get bad, we get good. And they, they, I mean, I'm a cynic. I really am. But that gives me hope to hear that. That's a great well, call. They, they, they really did. They, people were very, very thoughtful. Yeah. Thank you for the call, Mary. I appreciate it. Let's go with Floyd. How about that? Hello, Floyd. Where were you on 9-11? Hey. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for calling. All right. So I, I was in, um, actually, I was in New York. I was on my way to school on the, the number two train actually going into Manhattan. And we stopped at um, Gun Hill Road and we found out what was going on. But, um, yeah, I, I just remember that plain as day because I go to school about a quarter mile from um, the World Trade Center. So um, I had friends and um, a couple of people I know that got affected by that. And the effect it had on me, I joined the military right after college. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for your service. Which branch did you join? Army. Army. Excellent. Did you serve in Afghanistan or Iraq? Went to Iraq um, twice, 15 months, the first time in um, 12 the second. Wow. Wow. Incredible. We appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I couldn't do what i do if you didn't do what you did, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks for the call, too, Floyd. I appreciate it. We got David in North Mississippi. Hello, David. Where were you on 9-11? Uh, good morning, guys. Um, just listening to your program and brings up uh, a difficult time remembering uh, September the 11th and stuff. And my story, um, my father was in Houston at MD Anderson Cancer Center, and um, I flew home. And um, when I got back home, got a call that I needed to get back out there. So I flew back into Houston a couple of days before 9-11 and was spending time with Dad and found out that his life was basically coming to an end and went back to our hotel room, which is attached to MD Anderson, and was getting cleaned up and saw on TV about the first plane. And I was trying to wrap my head around it saying, how could this happen? And then a few minutes later, saw the second plane. So I got dressed, ran back to my dad's room, and he was practically in tears, you know, saying, you know, I'm at the end of my life. Why did I have to be around to witness this uh, tragedy, this horror of our nation being attacked? And his only wish was, you know, get me home. I don't want to die in Houston. Get me home. Wow. So, of course, you know, all the planes were grounded, and I was like, yeah, you know, we just we can't do anything. We can't go anywhere. And the people at MD Anderson were super uh, helpful and, and cooperative. And I can't remember. It was like maybe four days later, five days later, uh, medical flights got permission to fly. So we were able to get a plane put together and took an ambulance from the hospital to the airport and i just remember going into the houston airport which is huge and absolutely nothing no people no cars you know no traffic whatsoever and you know got to the plane and it was just the most eerie feeling i've ever seen in uh my life and then you know thinking about all the other tragedies that were going on and and uh you know we're able to to get my father back home and um you know he, he passed uh 10 days later oh. just a whole horrific deal right there and he just kept on saying you know i didn't want to see this i did not need yeah. to be Gosh, a witness yeah. of this that's uh sorry to hear that you know it's it 9-11 didn't take place in a vacuum we were all no. just doing our lives right um, uh, my cousin was in dc and he went and bought a car right, <laughs> bought right. a car and drove right. home you know and just oh, uh, which, I, of course, I could put on my credit card, naturally, on that. So we got Robert in Vicksburg. Hello, Robert. Welcome to the show. Hello, Robert. Good morning. Can hey. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Great. Where were you on 9-11? Yeah. I had recently, before 9-11, been the commander of the Vicksburg District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. So we had been assigned now to Washington, D.C. And I was the chief of staff of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers headquarters in Washington, D.C. Wow. 9-11 hit. That particular day, we had our annual Leaders Emeritus, where he had brought in all the retired generals and senior executive civilians. And uh, at that time, I had just introduced the chief of engineers, the three-star, who was briefing them. And one of my officers from the emergency operations center came running down the hallway and said, hey, there's a plane that just hit one of the towers at the World Trade Center in New York. 
And I'm thinking, okay, it was bound to happen one of these days. Some little plane probably got off track and hit it. Right. Keep me posted. And a few minutes later, he comes running back that there's another plane hit the second tower. It's a passenger airline. I'm like, a passenger airline? Right. I'm thinking, really, something's really going on now. So my boss is now still briefing the folks assembled. So I write it on a notepad real quick, put about five card on my left pocket, puts it on the podium. So he pauses, he looks at it, and says, ladies and gentlemen, we have some serious issues seem to be going on. At that time, we piped CNN into the conference room so they could get directly involved in or input to what was going on. From that moment on, we became in, in what we call the emergency response mode. And the first thought was to safeguard the people that were under our charge in our headquarters there in the middle of that, uh, downtown D.C. Then we started getting reports. We got a report that, that there was an explosion at the Pentagon. Then we got a report that there was an explosion uh, at other places, and, and to include the metro. So now we had to get all of our people together because people started getting reports. Uh, and a lot of them were erroneous, but that was, that's what happened uh, during these incidents. So we just got all of our people together in the hallway and said, okay, no one's leaving. Uh, it seems like we're under attack. We don't know who we're under attack from, but the worst thing you could do is to leave because people want to go and get their kids out of school. You can imagine all the thoughts that were going in people's uh, heads. We got a report that there was an explosion at the State Department. Yeah. And so we spent that time, most of that time, uh, getting people calm and trying to find out in our emergency operations center. We also have a, a district from the Corps that was only six blocks away from Ground Zero. So we were in contact with them as well. They started giving their boats out to get fuel mm. to uh, first responders. And in the ensuing days, we were able to visit Ground Zero, to visit the fresh kill site where all the debris, the Corps of Engineers got the mission wow. to do all the debris. Robert, we're up against the clock, and thank you. I was going to say thank you for the call and thank you for the service, too. And, of course, he touched on something that both all three of us here, uh, you know, getting the facts out the best that we could and that was the number one job of the media at that time and it was very difficult Jason I appreciate you coming in Ronnie I appreciate you coming in Uh, incredibly powerful show I thank all the callers too and as we all get through today and we remember I just want to let you know that um, we're thinking about you this is Now You're Talking production of MPB Think Radio produced by the incredibly talented Michelle thank you coming up next is Southern Remedy and we will see y'all next Monday